It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Again, it's good to see you. We're glad that you're here. Welcome. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 for our thoughts. Let everybody stand, okay? Give me one second to get to where. All right, John chapter 19, two verses I want to use as a text this morning. Verse 28 begins by saying, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I praise you. Thank you for this time you've given us now, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray that you'll bless the breaking of the bread of life. Give me the words to say to share what you've laid on my heart. I thank you, Father, for all your many blessings. I thank you for my salvation most of all. And I thank you for this honor of being a member of your local New Testament church. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that's gathered here today, members and guests alike. I just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll help me as I stand before them to feed them your truth. And Lord, may your word settle in our hearts and our minds. May we become more fruitful. If there's one here today that doesn't know you, our prayer is that they'll come to know you before it's eternally too late. Again, Lord... It's an honor and a privilege to stand before your people. We love you, and we praise you in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, please be seated. Notice with me again, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, you ever stop to think, as Christ was on the cross to atone for the world's sin, did you ever stop to think that he would ever be thirsty? The one who made every stream, every creek, every river, every lake, every sea, every ocean, that very one said that I thirst. Now understand, he is the fountain, the water of life. You can read that in John chapter 6 and John chapter 4. He is the fountain of living water and of life. But he says as he's hanging on the cross, I thirst. And you know, I read that and I've studied it and I've preached this chapter before on the crucifixion. But it really didn't dawn on me. We kind of overlook I thirst when we read it because we seem to think, oh, really, that's not too significant. Oh, it is. Understand, it's very significant. You see, he said, I thirst. Yes, naturally, him being not only God but man, yes, he was thirsty. Why would he be thirsty, preacher? Well, he was nailed to a cross and he was losing blood 
And fluids, of course, as he sat there on the cross, I say sit, as he hung there on the cross for you and me. So naturally, he thirsted. But that's not physical thirst is one thing, but it was spiritually he suffered thirst for you and me. You see, he thirsted because he wanted everyone gathered on that hill called Golgotha to come to the Father. And those there, they didn't realize it then, but they were thirsting spiritually. In fact, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, whether they're aware of it or not, they are thirsting spiritually. And they need God. But notice what it says as we get into it. I love that it says, And after this, Jesus knowing, Jesus knows all things. Omniscient, isn't he? That all things were now accomplished. That word accomplished means fulfilled, completed. When Jesus went to the cross, he fulfilled the plan and will of God to the letter so that you and I might gain salvation and be reconciled to God. Understand, he knew that it was accomplished. Even there hanging on the cross, suffering for our sins. Pick that up for me, will you, Jamie? Suffering for our sins. He was well aware that the will of God, the plan of God, was being fulfilled and accomplished. Think about that. Do you honestly think that it caught him off guard? No. When he went to the cross, thank you, buddy. When he went to the cross, he was fulfilling every prophecy that had ever been spoken. Understand From Adam to Abraham, 400 years. From Abraham to David, 400 years. From David to Jesus coming into the world and then dying for the sins of the world, 400 years. And everything mentioned about his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection was fulfilled to the letter. Amen. Amen. Not by accident. Those around at that time on that hill witnessing the Son of God dying on the cross for our sins, they couldn't even imagine. You see, what they saw was a man condemned Dying for his crimes. They didn't have a clue. And I'm talking about the Sanhedrin. I'm talking about the Romans. I'm talking about others that had witnessed miracles, seen Jesus perform this and that, but they hadn't yet received him as the Messiah. And yet... They just thought he was dying 
for his crimes. No, 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 no. He died to fulfill the will of God and his plan that mankind, his creation, would be redeemed. So, it was accomplished while he was on the cross. But then notice what else it says. And Jesus, knowing that all things, everything that was ever prophesied about him would be accomplished and brought to fruition. Think about that for just a second. You see, a lot of folks don't understand. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he suffered. There's no other man, I mean, what happened to him on the cross, no man has ever experienced anything like it but him. And I've often thought of that. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that he wasn't even recognizable. He was scourged to a point where his body was torn, the flesh off the bone. He literally beaten to within an inch of his life and then forced to carry a cross, but because of loss of blood and all, he wasn't able to fully carry the cross up the hill to Golgotha. Someone else had to carry it for him. But then they nailed him to that cross. And there on the cross, all those things were completed so that you and I could be redeemed. You see, those little things, the beating, scourging, the suffering, the nails, the crown of thorns, those things. showed that Christ was fully committed to the plan of God for you and I and our benefit. Think about that. Just for Let that sink in. But isn't it amazing? Those things he was committed to. But what about our commitment? You're going to get in trouble, preacher. Yeah, I stay in trouble. But what about our commitment? You see, is it too much to live an exemplary life in this world so that others might come to know the saving power of Christ? Is that too much? Is it too much to spend time on your knees praying for the needs of your church and your brothers and sisters? Is it too much to pick up God's Word And find out what his will is for your life. And grow and follow him. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much commitment? But we sure do act like it at times, don't we? But you see, he was committed all the way. Listen, at any time he could have decided, forget it. I'll just call the angels down from heaven and they'll take me off his cross And y'all will just have to perish. But he didn't do that because he was committed to you and I. And the reason he was committed was because he loved us. He loved us. Those nails, lots of people say the nails held him to the cross. No, it was his love for you and I that held him to the cross. 
Notice. And Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Oh, aren't you thankful that he fulfilled the scriptures? Aren't you thankful that when he went and laid his life down as a perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins on the cross of Calvary, aren't you thankful that he completed it, he fulfilled it, and there's nothing you and I have to do for it? You see, I'm thankful he fulfilled it. Listen, I don't have to be perfect. And by the way, I'll let you know a little secret. One, I'm not. And two, I don't have to be. Jesus was perfect for me. And because of his sacrifice on the cross, there's nothing I have to do to try to work my way to heaven or gain entry to heaven. Jesus fulfilled it. He did it all. Nothing I have to do. You or me if you're saved. Praise God, I'm thankful I'm saved. How about you this morning? Now, but notice he said, I thirst. As he hung there, he, spiritually speaking, and not just physically, but spiritually speaking, he wanted everyone around to understand that without him, the soul without him thirsts and thirsts and thirsts. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 real quick. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to get there. Jeremiah chapter 2, and look at verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and honed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the Lord has two things against us. One... We have forsaken him, the true and living water. And we have tried to fill the cisterns that we build. And I'm talking about materials and things like that. With things that can't be held in broken vessels or cisterns. You see what Jesus is trying to say here with I thirst is... There's nothing that will quench that thirst spiritually but a personal relationship with him. You can try all you want. You can give in to every sin there is in the world. But you'll never have peace, joy, or salvation until you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's just how it is. Jesus said, I thirst. Signifying that that crowd and the world that's lost without him can never be satisfied till they come to him. 
for salvation. And that's the same way today, isn't it? Same way. People try to obtain things. They think this will give them peace. This will make them happy, whether it's money, fame, and all of that, health, all of those things people try. Thinking it's going to get me covered. I'm going to be okay. Once I obtain this, I will be happy. I will be content. Nope, you'll never be happy or content till you come to Christ. I had to learn that the hard way. I worked in the oil fields. I made halfway decent money. In fact, for Arkansas standards, it's more money I'd ever made in my life. But you know what? It didn't satisfy. I finally realized there's only one thing that satisfies, and that's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? (laughs) I wouldn't give what I have if you gave me the whole world. Because what I have is peace. I can lay my head on a pillow and at night close my eyes and never think about, oh, what if I don't wake up in the morning? Praise God, I know where I'm at. I'm with the Lord. Now, turn back to our text. Notice, look at verse 29. He cried out, I thirst, but they didn't quite get it, did they? Verse 29 says, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Now think about that just for a second. Here the Son of God, God himself, is hanging on a cross to die for the sins of the world. And as they watch him, I am sure... In that crowd, and it was a mixed crowd, there were there, those there that had railed against him, that had mocked him, that had cursed him, and then there were those that had scourged him, the Romans nailed him to the cross, there were those that had, <laughs> the Sanhedrin had devised and planned for his death, there was a whole different crowd, and then there were those that knew him. Not many, but there were those that knew him. And I'm sure after seeing the Son of God there on the cross, I'm sure some of them began to want to show compassion. And the only way they could show that compassion was to dip a sponge in vinegar. And push it up to his lips. But understand with me please. Even though they may have wanted to help him. There was nothing that they could do. Everything was accomplished that had to be accomplished. And there are people today that want to help Jesus along, you don't have to. He accomplished the will of the Father when he died on the cross. There's nothing for you and me to do to earn our salvation. It's a gift. Now, 
One other thing I want you to get. Notice as he hung there, he cried out, I thirst. Now think of this for a second. I thirst. Now again, oh, he's thirsty. Let's get him some vinegar. Y'all ever drunk vinegar? That don't do no good, does it? Don't taste good anyway. Some of you swear, oh, apple cider vinegar is good for your blood pressure and all. I can't even take that stuff with water. It's terrible tasting. But he said, I thirst. And this is what he's talking about other than spiritually the people needed a Savior. And he accomplished that when he died on the cross for us if they would just receive him. And if you're here under the sound of my voice and you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior or you're not sure, you can get that settled right here and right now because salvation has been accomplished for all. But you're going to have to come His way. And it's through the cross in repentance and faith. But, no. When He said, Brother Ciro, I thirst. He was thirsting for his fellowship with the Father. You see, that fellowship was broken when the sins of the entire world were placed upon him on the cross. And he was thirsting for that fellowship to be restored. And sinner friend, you can say you believe all you want to, In the Lord, you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can drop to your knees and pray every single day. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you've never been born again, fellowship is broken. And you cannot have fellowship with Him until sin has been confessed and repented of. He said, I thirst. And another saying of his on the cross was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, because the sins of the world were placed upon him. God had to judge him. He poured his wrath upon him for the sins of the world so that you and I wouldn't have to face His wrath. He did that for us. I sit there and I shudder sometimes thinking, it was because of me. I put him there. I did that to the perfect Lamb of God. I did it. But listen, all of us put him there. Every one of us. But he was willing to thirst and have fellowship broken with the Father. And the wrath of God poured out on him and him alone so that we could be saved. And those little things, every bit of it, and salvation was accomplished to fulfill the plan God had. 
What's so sad is those that witnessed his crucifixion had no clue that God himself was hanging on the cross to redeem them. They had no clue. And there's people today that have no clue. Oh, they've heard about Jesus, what they've seen on TV, maybe heard on a radio or read in a book. But hearing about and knowing is two different things. That's where faith comes in, trust. So this morning, he says, I went to the cross for you. What are you going to do with me? You going to receive me or are you going to reject me? How's your relationship? I asked moments ago, how committed are we? You see, he was committed unto death. In fact, turn to Hebrews 2 real quick. Hebrews 2. verse 9 Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man did you get that every man that means You, me, and everyone. He tasted death. He died in our place. While we're over there, go to to Philippians chapter 2. Go to Philippians chapter 2. It just backs up what the writer of Hebrews said. Look at verse 8. Philippians 2 and verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Understand this morning what he has done for you and I and for the whole world. Oh, when I read that it was accomplished that day all of those years when is the promised Messiah coming we've been hearing this ever since our forefathers that he was coming where's he at in God's perfect timing he came into the world and folks I'll go ahead and tell you it wasn't December 25th Amen? But the date, as far as the date itself, it's insignificant. The point is, God sent his only begotten son into the world. Yes, he was born in a stable in a manger. Yes, he was born in Bethlehem as it had been prophesied. And now, everything's accomplished. We're just waiting for him to come and take his church home. Y'all believe he's coming back? 
I believe, you hear me say it all the time, it's closer and closer. I believe we're in the generation. Now, I could be wrong. Lord may not come for another thousand years. I just got a feeling uh, I think he's going to come back sooner than that. At least that's my prayer. It would not hurt my feelings. And I know some, I've, I've heard some Christians say, well, you know, I've got kids and grandkids. I'd like to see them grow up. I want to see them saved and I want us to all go to heaven. I don't want them to go and suffer in this old sin-filled, sick world. Listen, those little children are safe in Christ. They're going to heaven. And if they're at the age of accountability, grandparents, parents, why aren't you sharing the gospel with them? Because it's going to be a reunion one day. Amen. So in close, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What are you thirsting for this morning? If you're thirsting for salvation, come. The Lord will meet your need. You're thirsting for more commitment? Come and ask the Lord to help you. He'll meet your need. He offers everlasting life, abundant life. And it's yours just for the asking. So if there's one here today that doesn't know the Savior, we're fixing to have the invitation and we're going to give you the opportunity to come to the Savior. Maybe you've been saved for a while, but maybe you're not living an upright life before others. Listen, maybe you've strayed, you've wandered. God is right where you left him. Come on back home. Say, Lord, I've messed up. I'm sorry I've drifted, but Lord, I want to recommit myself and rededicate myself to living for you. Come and ask him. He'll help you, and he wants you. Folk, he is the only one that's going to ever quench your thirst. You can drink water all you want. And I like water when it's cold and when it's hot. Nothing quenches a thirst like water. But you know what's bad about just regular water? Huh, you get thirsty again. And again and again. I can honestly say, since I've met the Savior, spiritually, once I drank from his fountain, I've never been thirsty again as far as eternal life. Amen. Amen. Because I have it and it satisfies. How about you?